because you're jumping back into the gap. All right, let's hey, go. Coach. Welcome to the Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Oliver. I appreciate you joining us for this week's podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit basketballimmersion.com for more coaching resources and access to all the basketball podcasts. I hope you will give us a shout out on social media, on Twitter at Bball Immersion, or on Instagram at Basketball Immersion to help me continue to share the game. Enjoy the episode. Awesome to welcome Coach Jerry Stackhouse with us to share the game. Coach Stackhouse is going into his third season as head coach at Vanderbilt. Prior to Vanderbilt, Stackhouse served as an assistant coach with the Memphis Grizzlies and the Toronto Raptors and as a head coach of the Raptors 905. Stackhouse earned NBA G League Coach of the Year honors en route to the team's first NBA G League championship. Of course, many of us know Coach Stackhouse as an 18-year NBA veteran who was a two-time NBA All-Star and as a college star at North Carolina. Also notable is Coach Stackhouse's success as running his Stackhouse Elite AAU program where he had great success. Coach Stackhouse, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Chris. It's going to be fun to talk to you. And one of the reasons is, as I highlighted in your intro, is the fact that with your pedigree, you've coached at all three levels. You coached at the youth high school level, college level, and professional level. And I'm wondering, how has that helped shape your philosophy? Well, I think for me, it's just, it shows that, you know, with young guys, I mean, I think young guys that... Uh, at the grassroots level, they really don't have any habits built in yet. So I, I think it's, I really enjoy coaching the younger players. I mean, not that I don't enjoy um, college or, or even the pro level. I mean, the talent there is immense, but just being able to have an open, clear mind without having any you know habits that you have to break down. Most of the time when you, you get guys at the, those levels and different systems and different programs that they've been in, they um, develop habits that aren't necessarily conducive to, to winning at the highest level. So I think if you can start, you know, build those foundation, uh, uh, those foundational tools early on, it just kind of, you can just kind of continue to, to build on them. So I think that was, uh, that's what, that's what I, you know, it helped me just from the standpoint of, of, of knowing that everybody wants to learn, everybody wants to get better. And um, if you, you know, come with an approach of, uh, you know, how to teach them. That's, I think that's the key. You know, the kids learn it in, in, in different ways. Some guys, you can just tell them. Some guys, uh, you have to show them, you know, maybe visually on, on the screen. And some guys, you literally have to go and move them to different spots. And then, and then they got a better feel of where they're supposed to be on the floor. So I think hitting all three of those levels, um, over, and that, that's what I've learned, you know, coaching, you know, grassroots, you know, high school, college and at the pros that making sure that you do all those things to make sure those uh, that, that they get it you can't can't skip any steps because you know guys learn differently yeah that's great stuff and uh, i can just imagine how much that has influenced what you do and how you do it and the other thing that i've heard you say which i couldn't agree with more is how so you were shaped also by things that you didn't like and I'm imagining that's natural for a player like you that's played at all these levels is that you've learned also what you don't like, and that's helped shape your philosophy. Definitely, man. I mean, as a, as a score, you know, I mean, I, I, I like to think that my teams are a defensive team first. I mean, most people that watch me play over the course of my career, it's like this guy scored, a, you know, over 16,000 points, you know, so I mean, how is he a, a you know, you think I was more of an offensive coach, and, and, I, and I do. I love offense. I love misdirection plays and different things like that. But more so than anything, I, I defensively, I, I think I love the fact that things that I saw driving to the baseline, guys rotating early, 
bigs really being aggressive up to the level and picking rolls aren't things that made made me pick it up and, that, and that's kind of how i built our defensive principles so you know it's the things that i didn't like to see are the main focal points of our defensive philosophy that's great and uh, we're going to get into some of the raptor 905 stuff but I, I certainly talked to some of the people that were involved with you when you were there and they all talked about that they talked about your emphasis on defense and does somewhat contradict kind of the the impact that you had as a player where you were such a scorer but of course you played both sides of the ball so that's natural as well is that one of the hardest things to be able to convince players to be able to do to be able to build them to their next level not if you want to play for me (laughs) (laughs) pretty simple (laughs) pretty simple if you want to get a chance to have the freedom that you that you want offensively you got to show me that you can can do it on the defensive end and i think that's the um just just the, the staple of, of winning, you know, and I mean, we, we saw that again, all of the, you know, the, the talk about offense and, you know, spacing and utilizing the three, um, you know, the team that um, you know, hosted the trophy up, you know, the other night for, in, in the NCAA was a team that was tough defensively. I mean, you, you could see it from, from, from the onset of the game that they came with a approach of, you know, being aggressive, getting into to the offensive player, something that I don't think that, you know, Gonzaga had seen all year, you know, at that level. So I, I think the physicality that those guys had, yeah, they made shots, they were confident and, and, and made shots on the offensive end, but I think that stemmed from the their their disposition on the dis, uh, on the defensive end. When you start with that that disposition, you uh, I think you're going to find enough points even if your offense isn't going good, you're going to still going to get some easy opportunities in transition because your defense created those opportunities for you. Yeah, it was tremendous to watch. And it just showed you again that the balance of scoring and, and defense and that physical presence, as you said, is just so impactful. And I thought that that's one of the challenges for a lot of teams is they're either one or the other, but they're not both. And that balance is so important, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a balance that you have to find in recruiting. Yeah, you get a guy that can you know, score, you know, 30 points and, you know, easily and it, it comes naturally and easy to him offensively, but, you know, he, he can't guard in his shadow, can't guard anything. So, I mean, I think those are, um, you have to have some balance there, making sure that, all right, you, you got to, um, you know, and then I think you just feel like, oh, he's so talented offensively that I could teach him defense. No, you want to have some natural instincts defensively as well. I think those, those are the things that I look at when I'm, um, scouting the player and watching his, you know, his film. Yeah, you know, most times when you see the highlight package or whatever they post on defense, it's all all about them scoring. You know, I I love to watch a, uh, a highlight that's going to mix in some a guy taking a charge, a guy just doing some um, intangible things and having a good feel of, of of dropping and being being off of his man on the on the weak side. I mean, as great as I mean, I mean, I'm a, as big as Jalen you know, Suggs fan. I mean, I thought he was great for college basketball, but I don't know how many times I saw him just lock into his man and not see the ball during, you know, during the final four. And, and I think that, you know, that's you know, you just can't can't do that. I mean, everybody we've been taught from well, I have been taught from from the beginning, you know, with, with Coach Smith, you know, see man ball, see man ball. You know, that's you know, no way that you can react to what's going on and be on the string um, defensively if you're not seeing the ball. And then I think that's one of the things that a lot of young players struggle with, even even pro players. I mean, again, they don't have those those fundamental, those foundation things. Of, of But I mean, I, I yell that probably more so than anything um, 
you know, after we after an offensive possession and we're running back in transition, see the ball, see the ball, you know, and because again, you know, it, and we have what we call those. Uh, I don't know if this is kid friend, friendly. I say the oh shoot moments. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, you know yeah. those those oh shoot moments, like oh oh shoot, oh I got it. You know, you know, and then, and then all of a sudden they're making a layup and you're right there. You're contesting it. But if you saw that ball, you could have would have been over there in time to possibly take a charge or definitely, you know, you know, be a, a vertical or rim protection. So I think it's, it's really important that you see the ball early in transition. That's great. And uh, staying on the defensive theme, maybe can you give us a, a brief overview of some of your defensive philosophies? Are you are you helping one pass away? Or are you, st- you know, holding the weak side? Are you rotating at the rim? Where are you helping from, et cetera? Yeah, I think we try to we try to, you know, touch on all of those things. We try to teach all of those different coverages, whether, you know, pick and roll coverage in the middle. We want to, you know, we could, you know, really be up to the level and be aggressive and try to corral the ball handler. You know, if it's a really good ball handler that we're, you know, that he's a threat to make plays. We want to get the ball out of his hand and make maybe the big man that set the screen, make him pass the ball to him and let him become a playmaker. Or if it's a really good playmaker as a big you know, we we would cover and let that guard come downhill, you know, a little bit more. So I think being able to mix in those coverages a little bit, we want to war, um, you know, pin downs, uh, get a show out, you know, from our big, you know, if his guys happen to slip to the rim, my weak side guys, you know, rotate for him so he can feel comfortable getting out there and being aggressive and not letting shooters come off easy. Um, guys that are uh, less shooters that we know they want to turn that corner on those pin downs. We want to gap them so we don't, so we can catch them before they can turn and get the ball to the middle of the paint. Um, so I, I just think in war and all of our, our screen and rolls, everything on the post, we want at least a goal, which is kind of a three quarter defense. Uh, and I have no problem if you want to get all the way around and, and, and get into a full front, which, which, which is our, our red. And, um, you know, just because, and then, you know, been putting pressure on the ball, we're more of a, um, you know, a lot of teams that run chin action, you know, you want to get to their bodies and war them off of those, 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 those rip screens and back screens. Um, other teams that don't, you know, run those type of action, we want to be in the gap. So it's the, being able to do both, you know, sometimes if my man on the perimeter hit, I got to go to his body and get ready to war those screens. Sometimes if he hits, I got to get in the gap because now it's a, a team that likes to penetrate and we can show some resistance and show some bodies there. Not a big, uh, deny team, you know, obviously you get down some sometimes and you, you know, you need to deny and put some pressure, but I, I like for our guys, instead of um, extending so well to be more in a position to help. Cause that, that's, 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 sometimes it's tough to see the ball. If you're uh, in, you know, you know, in full deny, we mix it up a little bit defensively with, with, with our zone, kind of a two, three matchup zone. We go um, uh, full court, uh, diamond defense sometimes just try to you know, pressure a little bit sometimes a token two two one and fall back into that zone you know mix in a little one three one I just think it's just different teams that you have to give different looks um, but for the most part we're a man-to-man team we're a no middle team try to keep the ball out of the middle uh, and you know come with our, our low man you know, drop and, and rotate around around that and, you know you know and then and I think a lot of, you know, five out is something that we spend a lot of time on. Teams are going more to, to five out where you got bigs on the perimeter and those rotations are differently. Now you don't have someone that's cracking back on a, a big that's, you know, around the basket. Now you got to you got to drop to space and get ready to, to have some, uh, you know, kind of some structure 
into your rotations, you know, to the perimeter. So we spend a lot of time on, on those things, making sure that uh, we can adjust, you know, game to game. Not, you know, we have our identity. We kind of have our, uh, of who we are and, and hopefully teams give us th- those alignments, but if, but if teams maneuver those alignments on us, uh, we got to be, you know, uh, ready to adjust to that. And, you know, I, I, Cause I say everybody has good plays and, um, you know, but at the end of those plays, what are we going to do? So we got to learn how more so than learning how to defend a play. We want to learn how to defend actions. That's that's the key to being a good defensive team is learning how to defend action. Hey, this is Chris Oliver from the Basketball Podcast. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now on pro basketball and the start of Major League Baseball season. BetOnline.ag has all the betting action. In the NBA, the conference races are heating up as teams prepare to make their run for the playoffs. And if baseball is your first love, BetOnline has you covered. If you love hockey, golf, MMA, and championship boxing, BetOnline has it all. Every sport, every game, every matchup. BetOnline has you covered for all the odds and real-time updates and is the place to be for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to place and check in on all your favorite sports bets all the time. Head to the website or use your mobile device and bring home the game with Bet Online. Hey coach, have you heard of Locker Room? Locker Room is live audio-only sports talk platform. It's free to download and free to use. You're going to be able to talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. And you can share your own experience on the app. All you need to do is download the Locker Room app for free in the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter and start being involved in the locker room. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. And I'm curious when you talked about warring a cutter and as an example there, is that generally scouting report specific, whether you ward or you're in the gap or is it more player decision-making or is it somewhat both? Yeah, I think it's, it's kind of both. I mean, like we want to war pin down, no matter who it is, right. Okay. You know, for the most part, if, if we know, if we've been watching film, we know this, they're not really looking to come off the shoot. They're really looking to just try to turn the corner and get downhill. Then we make an adjustment to gap. But our principle, if you know, you know, kind of our our Bible of our defense. If you asked our guys on our roster, what about what is our principles in those coverages? Is the war and to you know get 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 a show out from the big and get protection. And now, and then obviously adjustment from a, an offensive team was to try to take that guy that's 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 pulling it for the big and maybe have him high. So it makes it a difficult rotation. So, I mean, that's when you, you know, now, now you know you're coaching against somebody now because they're, you know, they're making those adjustments on the fly for against your coverages. So I think those are, you know, things that we, um, you know, warn like the cross screens, you know, see a lot of times guys um, lose the body, you know, say a cross screen on the box to box to the big from, you know, post or post up. And guy come underneath, and now you stop and you stop in front of him. He's dead. So we want to try to stay on his body as much as we can. The guy, you know, that pick the picker action. Now you got somebody, the guy that set the cross screen. Now he's coming off the top for a pick the picker. We like to have that weak side guy in a little bit to, you know, kind of deter him coming to the top and those type of things. So it's just again, it's it's all um, personnel driven. You know, if it's someone that we're um, that's a you know, knockdown shooter on the weak side. Then we got to be a little bit more cognizant of, of, of not shrinking as much off of him. So again, that's looking at um, the last 
three or four games of how they played, a rhythm of, of, of what they're doing and, and, and coming up with a game plan of doing, and having a backup to that. Like, so no matter what you think, um, you know, coming into a game, you know, something can happen. They start, you know, somebody gets hot and you have to make an adjustment and you got to be willing to do that. So we, we make sure that we have a, a coverage that we start in the game in and, and the backup coverage just in case that that doesn't work. And if that doesn't work, then we, we might jump in the zone. <laughs> there's always options, right? There's always, always options. <laughs> and like, cause it, I remember one time in the, in the G league, man, we went out and played uh, the Phoenix team out in, in Prescott, the, the Suns. And man, they were a great shooting team and we were guard, we just couldn't guard them. And, you know, I was like, man, I was, I was like, man, let's, let's just jump in fist. Let's just jump in fist. See if we can stop them that way. And we actually slowed them down. It's like, man, a great shooting team had five guys around the perimeter that could make threes. But because we didn't give them, you know, a rhythm of their, you know, of their man offense and forced them to, you know, play play more of their zone sets, we were able to contest them and, and wind up winning the game. So I just think those are, you know, most people like if I'd have thought about it, like, man, there's no way I'm zoning this team the way they shoot the basketball coming in. But once you get into the game, get into the heat of battle and trying to find something that works, and, and luckily for us, um, that works, we were able to match up their shooters a lot better. Uh, such a great example. And it, it also speaks to the reality that that team might not have been used to playing against a lot of zone for the very reason you stated. And all of a sudden, like what, what might not make sense, makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, I just think you just have to, you know, have a package, you know, and then I think that's the, what we try to do as far as our development with our guys that, you know, hopefully, you know, once you leave here, you know, um, that you can go play anywhere. Uh, again, I can, I can go on the court because I understand the game. I understand um, uh, act, how to defend actions, uh, I, I, the principles of, of being in and, and seeing man and ball, and, and those, those things aren't—they're not—they're not—they don't come naturally. Sometimes you got to drill them. I mean, I think that's that's the thing. No matter what, we're gonna start practice with touch clothes. I don't care how tired we are or whatever. We're practicing. We're gonna we, we're gonna work on our touch closeouts. We're gonna work on our drops. We're gonna work on those things to to nauseam so they become come natural. And and, and it's you know, it's different now in college where you have 30 games, like, you know, as opposed to the, the pros where you have 50 games. Normally you spend those first 20 games trying to get everything right. And there are going to be some ups and downs. And then that last 30, now we know who we are. And, and, and but now you're in a college season, you, you know, 20 games in, as you have an up and down, trying to figure things out, the season's almost over. So we got to try to um, expedite that that learning process a, a little more, and, and that's why you know last summer was 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 so important. We didn't have nobody had a summer, so those young guys coming in and kind of the the teaching and the onboarding that, that that's needed for for them to be productive. They didn't have that, so it was kind of a, a cram session in the fall. And I thought our guys did a pretty good job, but I'm, I'm looking forward to getting the full summer again. I have no doubt about that, and. Uh... Every coach listened a little bit more when you said closeouts, coach. So I got to follow up on that because I'm, I, I, I believe that for closeouts, coaches teach it based on theory and players play based on reality. So as a player that's closed out a lot in your career, what have you found the best way to close out is? Well, I think the, I don't like chops. You know, I mean, I know a lot of a lot of people teach chop, 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 chop. I, I like to get there close to the touch. I want to get as there as fast as I can and close to the touch with the with the stick hand. I and mean, I mean, like that. If you 
Um, you know, we grade everything. I mean, you can close out and get all the way to the touch. If you don't have a stick hand, that's still minus one. Again, because now a guy, even as you got all the way to the touch, he can still shoot the ball. And I, my one of the terms that I love to use is on the rise is too late. With, 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 with top-notch shooters, if you're, if you're shooting, if he's already on the rise and now you're coming up, that ball's already gone. So I think if you come out with that stick hand, that'll deter him from, from actually shooting the basketball and, pot in and put it down to where we got things built in to, to handle that. Um, like the close out, no middle. You know, I think that's, I mean, that's the, if I could find a solution to, to get that to the, all of our guys to be able to close out, you know, finding that happy medium of closing out no middle, but when, without allowing that straight line drive, a straight line drive kills you, you know, just as bad as even if you close it out with the stick hand and, and you didn't allow him in the middle, but now the, the low man can't get there in time because you didn't offer any resistance on that close out. So I think that, you know, the, the thought process for us is trying to teach close out to force them to the corner, not to force them, you know, to the to the rim, try to force them to the corner, try to guard that that first dribble. And I think that's the, you know, like in the pros, you you know, if you you drive in the slot, you know, it's it's death if you leave that strong side corner, you know, and help. You know, yeah, boom, one dribble, you you in the slot. I mean, I know a lot of pack line teams, but in college I've shown I've I've seen that they're not as effective as shooting the, the, the ball in the corner. So we've, I used to be more kind of 90, 10, you know, as far as, you know, you know, we, we want to be more locked into the corner, 90%, a little bit in the gap, 10%. I think, I think now we can almost be 60, 40, you know, 60, 40 of being in that gap. And then if they hit it, you know, once you see that gather, on the gather and now he's about to pass it to the corner. I want that, that, that foot planted so I can push off and get back there. But we want to make it look crowded because again, just the numbers say um, that they're not making it at the clip as they do at the next level. I don't know why, you know, in a sense, do you seem like, seem like it would all translate, but those, those just are some of the things when you start looking at the analytical data that um, is happening. They just don't, the college, college game don't shoot the corner three as well as they do at the pros. Uh, it's such a great, great point there, coach. And uh, I love that you mentioned chops and that, and that is an example of what I would say is more of a coach's theory. But the reality is when you watch players actually close out, they don't chop, right? And most NBA players don't chop when they close out because they've learned the way that's most effective for them. Yeah. I mean, cause as you sitting up there, chop, 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 that ball's gone. You know, the guys are shooting it too well. I mean, I, I mean, you see the number of threes that are taken now. You know, I mean, you're shooting more threes probably in the first half that, than most teams shot in a full game um, back in the 90s. So, and then, so obviously, the guys are getting a lot more proficient and efficient at, at shooting the three. So you got to, you know, want them to play. And I, and I think, you know, closing out the right way. To being a no-middle team, we want to close out to the outside. Even if I run him off, you know, I don't want to run him off to now where he's, you know, I'm running him off to the middle of the floor. Now he has a number of options. I want to run him off. And then and, and that, you know, that varies from coach to coach. A lot of guys want to, you know, close out to the shooting hand. Right. So if it's a, you're on the, you're on the right wing and it's a right hand shooter. Now you coming across to, to contest that right hand. Now you're just giving him middle drive. Right. And then I think he has a lot more options that way. Now we close out to the, the outside and now he got a little resistance in the corner now it's you know our system of coming with our low man and doing that is is built in and and more important so just those little 
those little details that can be the difference in, you know, you know, winning and, and losing. And, and so I think those are the things that we spend a lot of time on. And, and, and to close out another one that I had is like contested, you know, uh, even though I, I ran him off now, he, you know, some teams that, um, you know, kind of outliers that, you know, take one dribble pull-ups, uh, I can still get back and contest that. You know, we call it like a rear view contest. Like we want to, you know, as soon as my feet hit the ground, after I run him off and he takes that dribble, we got, we can't, it's not over. I can still get back into play and get some, some rear view contests on those shots. And again, those are those multiple effort plays that become deciders in, in, in winning and losing. Well, I love that you brought up that detail of the rear view contest. And that's very much a modern, a modern counter to modern offense, isn't it? That now when you run people off the line, you're going to recover. I'm wondering your teaching point on the rear view contest. Are they trying to recover to the shooter's side hand? Yeah, uh, well, no, I think it's the same way. Again, I want to, I want to, okay. if I'm on that right wing, I want to contest, uh, defend in the middle. And when I come back, I want to almost contest with the opposite hand, making sure that I don't come across his body to follow. Great point. Really cool to hear. And also, it was great to hear you talk about grading system. And of course, we have to dive into that a little bit. I'm curious, obviously, that goes back to Dean Smith and your time there. Anson Dorrance obviously popularized the competitive cauldron. What are some of the things that maybe you've adapted over the years with this competitive cauldron or this grading system? Well, again, I think it's, you know, again, it's your system, you know, and, and what you put your priority to. And I think for us, um, you know, no middle, uh, having a stick hand, uh, low man coming on time. You know, a lot of people call it base go. Uh, you know, coming over, building in the, the people around them. Are they doing their job? Or a crackback guy, uh, second act of safety guys. You know, everybody should be moving. You know, the on on a drive. You know, I got a responsibility to do something, even if I'm, you know, in the strong side corner. Sometimes I mean, it used to be like in the pros, like like you have no coverage. If somebody drives a slot and you're in that strong side corner, you pretty much can just deny you're not in the play right now. Right? Yeah, now we made the adjustment to again make it look a little bit crowded. So I just think from 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 those standpoints, those are the adjustments that you have to have to be aware of. Love it. And uh, I assume is it practice and game you're giving them grading systems? And then what do you do with it? Do you post it for them or how do you convey the information back? Yeah, I give it to them every day. I mean, like I said, we, we have OK, said no contest again like that. That's that's a, um, didn't contest a shot. All right. I did everything right. We And, and then it's the. The team too. Like we graded for the team. Each possession, like transition, is different. Like transition, kind of its own animal. But in every half court set, like we can, you know, guy, you know, we we could get a stop just because you get a stop. Don't mean that it was a good possession. You know, guy didn't like we did everything right, and um, somebody didn't box out. You know, so this he's getting no box out. No, that contributes to his, his um. Minus the the big wasn't up to the level. If we have a coverage where we're really being aggressive and, cor- and corralling the ball, the big wasn't up to the level. The guard wasn't into the ball, and they're getting the minus for the the pick and roll coverage there. We might get a stop, you know, but it doesn't count as those stops. And and I've noticed that. And then you get positive. You get positives for a steal. You get positive for a deflection, a block shot, a drone charge. So those that balances your number a little bit, you know, so the mistakes that you're making on defense, if I got minus nine and I got uh, two steals and two charges, um, that's plus four. So you're like minus five. So you see, you got real tangible numbers that you can look at when we watch film and I hand you the paper and you see exactly what category that I got. And then you start to see a guy getting a trend of, 
I mean, he got a lot of no middles over the last four games. Now we can get a coach to go in there and really focus and work on him um, for that particular thing. And hopefully that gets better. Cause I mean, I think you, you know, we, we see that those numbers lowering uh, contributes to win. So now the guy, I mean, I, I, I expect a guy, a freshman to come in here and he's going to be minus nine or minus 10, probably one of the highest I've probably seen is probably minus 14. I ain't going to, I ain't going to tell who that is, but, um, but I think, and then you say, okay, now we just got to get that number down. We got to get that minus nine down to a minus four and you're going to see, and, and now we got possessions and I think maybe we have 60 possessions. And, um, if you get half of those, right, you know, perfect, what I call a perfect defense possession where everybody did everything right. We boxed out, we got to stop it. Sometimes they score, uh, we, you know, you can play really good defense and they score. So we just mark that check score. So out of those 60 possessions, um, uh, the trend that I've normally seen, if we get at least 40% of those right, um, you know, that, that, that's normally a good chance that we get a win. You know, if, uh, 50%, really good chance that, that we get a win. 60%, we're winning the game. You know, no doubt we're going to find enough offense if we get 60% of our possessions, right? And, but the thing about that, you know, I said, you know, 40% is a good chance to win. 50% is, is a great chance we're still getting it wrong 50% of the time. So, you know, defense is a game of mistakes. So it's not like we're expecting perfection. We want we want to strive for it, but knowing that if we get it right half of the time, uh, we're going to be a really good, successful um, defensive team. Just that perspective must be somewhat freeing to your players to understand that you understand that as well, right? That defense is yeah. not perfect. Yeah, yeah. But, and then a lot of times we can make up for it with, you know, just multiple efforts. Like I said, it's not going to be perfect all the time. And sometimes, like as we really understand and know who we are, covering up for each other, we may not get a check on that possession, but we're going to get some positives. You know, again, our plus minus system as an individual. And once we get those numbers, and guys can be positive. We get guys that are plus two and plus three. They don't really have, you know, uh, many you know defensive mistakes or none. And then they you know, they're positive things. And then I think when we have, you know, multiple guys, you know, even flat. You know, flat is the, that's what I was. In. I can hear Coach Smith right now. Jerry, you had, you know, four mistakes and then you got two blocks and steals. So you're flat, you know? <laughs> so, and, right. and that was, um, that was cool. I mean, like that, obviously I wanted to be positive, but, um, you know, flat is good. I mean, that means that the, 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 the negative plays that I had were, were countered by, by positive plays. And if you get more of your team, in that area or, or, or plus, then you're, you're going to win a lot of games. And as simple as that. It's a yeah, good, good way to just hold them accountable, man. Like they, they, this, this is tangible. Like it's not, you know, I hadn't, I hadn't talked about a shot yet. I hadn't talked about any missed shots. I hadn't talked about any offensive execution. This is solely things that we can control and things that we know how to do on the, on, on the defensive end. Like again, like, and it's, and it requires you to think like, again, you know, the game plan, yeah, we, we're a team that wants to, to gap, you know, DHOs, all dribble handoffs, we want to gap, but they got a knockdown shooter. And to, so today we want to war every, every DHO with this guy that's a shooter, we want to war him. So, and now if you come in and you gap that, that DHO, that's a minus, even though that's our core principle of who we are, more times than not, we want to, you know, gap the DHO. But for this particular game, we're warning it. So you know, being able to go into, you know, each game and understanding the coverage is, is, is huge. That's why you have to be able to think. The part that I want to highlight that you said that I think people miss about the importance of this type of grading system 
is you talked about the fact that a player would know that they're behind, but that they can also calculate how they can come back. So a really competitive player would use this as a method to be able to constantly, not, not always win, but to always right. improve, right? Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I think it's not to the point where you want to start gambling, right? I, like, I know I just made two defensive mistakes. Now I'm going to gamble for a steal to try it again. I'd rather that be a deflection. You know, again, deflections count too. I mean, most of the time, the team with the most deflections is, is the most aggressive team and, and usually the team that, that, that wins the game. So that's why we, we track all those things, verticals. You know, now it's not about blocking a shot. A great vertical is a positive play now. Um, so I think those are, are things that, that we've, uh, we've adjusted and, and know that, okay, you can um, you, you be, you know. And, but I, I think during the heat of the battle, um, you know, I, I don't know if they think about it as much, the, the grading system, but, you know, but they, but soon as, soon as we get in there the next day and we're about to watch film and everybody's looking down, you know what I'm saying? And, and they're trying to figure out what their grade was because it's now, and now I got, I took it another step. Not only um, did you grade the, the, you got minus six, but what was those, those, those negative possessions you had? How many points did they put on the board because of that? So a guy could have minus six for, you know, only four points. And then you could have a guy that was only minus three, but they made three threes on your mistakes. And it was, you know, so it's minus nine. So, so I think those are the, you know, real things. So now you can see what my, how my mistakes contribute to us either winning and losing the game. Not so much what your impact had on us um, winning the game, but, you know, your mistakes was impactful in us losing the game. So I think now, so now it behooves us to make sure that we, um, get those numbers lower, really focus on getting those, those numbers lower. And, and, and I think it, it contributes to the win. It takes points off the board. And, um, and our guys, they, they, they eat that stuff up. It becomes a, a pride, and I think, because I was one of those guys where I didn't want to be on that film every day. I mean, I was more during the course of the game, I'm focusing on not being on that film tomorrow. And Coach Smith, you know, you know, chewing me out and he's spending the whole time talking about my mistakes. That's why I was focused more on the defense than that. The offensive stuff just happened naturally because I didn't want to be that guy. And we, you know, as, as athletes, we have pride. And that's where this grading system is, is, is kind of, you know, banking on. It's banking on you having pride and like, man, I'm not going to be the guy every day because it's showing that I'm directly uh, it's directly relating my mishaps are directly relating to us losing basketball games. How can I, you know, correct that and 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 hopefully uh, uh, contribute to us winning? Well, I I love this, and uh, it just strikes me, obviously listening to you, that your coaching style, which to me makes sense, is that your coaching style would be very direct and matter of fact, right? Built on honesty, yeah. because that's what you would have valued as a player. Yeah, and then we see it. I mean, that's the thing about it. When we do it right. It's, I mean, we get the results that we want. Like I said, I mean, and that, that's the, the, I guess, the, the coaching myth. You know, why wouldn't we do it? Man? That's why I said dude, there's only two ways to do things, the right way and again. And, and when we do it again, I mean, like, here, there's the results. The proof is in the pudding, man. We, like, we, we did. You were up to the level. We got into the ball. Our weak side was where they were supposed to be. And not only, I mean, and we got a steal. You know, it's not like my, that's my favorite man, shocker. Shocker, we were, we were where we were supposed to be. We did the things we were supposed to do. And, and we got stops and we got out and we were able to run and, 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 and do what we we're supposed to do. When we don't do those things, 
bad things happen. So, you know, why not let's let's do what we're supposed to do. So it is matter of fact, man. There's no gray area. I mean, and but again, for whatever reason, um, I guess it's just the basketball that, you know, guys tend to to do, even if the the right way, I mean the wrong way is the harder way. <laughs> you know, it's it's harder to do it that way. We still cheat and shoot the gap sometimes we, we don't teach that i mean like man that, that's the you know that's a lot of my film station man where 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 where, where, did, where did they do that at? we don't do that here i mean why would you get in the game and shoot a gap on a, on a wide pin down when we work on it every day for you to war and come off where we got help now you shoot the gap they flare back in and, and shoot a three we didn't teach you that so again it is matter of fact do your job uh, be accountable and um and the results will speak for themselves Hey, this is Chris Oliver from the Basketball Podcast. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now on pro basketball and the start of Major League Baseball season. BetOnline.ag has all the betting action. In the NBA, the conference races are heating up as teams prepare to make their run for the playoffs. And if baseball is your first love, BetOnline has you covered. If you love hockey, golf, MMA, and championship boxing, BetOnline has it all. Every sport, every game, every matchup. BetOnline has you covered for all the odds and real-time updates and is the place to be for all your sports betting needs. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to place and check in on all your favorite sports bets all the time. Head to the website or use your mobile device and bring home the game with BetOnline. Coach, thanks for supporting the podcast. I'm so excited to share this with you. Your outdoor experiences could be better, clearly better. Canon sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. Using Japanese optics, Canon lenses are clearer, lighter, and stronger than other lenses, and nearly impossible to scratch. With frames handcrafted in Italy, Canon sunglasses elevate your experience outside with a degree of clarity beyond your wildest imagination. Coach, I have a pair and I love these, and I want to share this exclusive code with you Canon Cast 15 at Canon.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's CanonCast15, K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-15, Canon Clearly Better. That's yeah, great stuff. It really connects things for players to understand why you're teaching it as well. And uh, the, the, what do you, I'm wondering, what, what are you grading on offense, if anything? Uh, well, no, I, mean, I think offensively, you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of a theme of, of sharing it, man. I think, every, you know, guys are better engaged uh defensively when they touch the ball offensively. I don't necessarily have to shoot it, but I want to touch it. And I think the the emphasis on on defense is, is movement, making sure that we got, you know, weak side guys aren't able to just lock in. Um, you know, basically the philosophy is to shrink things defensively and expand things offensively. You want the floor to be open and the game is going more to um, you know, five out spacing. You know, I mean I think, you know, for us, the philosophy is almost having four guys on the floor that, that can shoot the three and um, and even five. If you got a five man that can, can space out and shoot three, it just gives you so much um, more options, you know, to be able to keep the, 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 the floor open, to penetrate, to get to the paint, to get layups and get to the free throw line or having guys on the perimeter that can shoot. And I mean, I kind of one of the principles, drive it, kick it, swing it. Yeah. And like, you know, you know, sometimes you're going to drive it, kick it and you're wide open and you have to take that one. But for the most part, 
let's get that thing moving one more. You know, that, that that's really that that was gonna really be open. I think that our our numbers are off the chart. Whenever we drive it, kick it, swing it, and take that shot, it's normally a really good shot, or drive it again. And I think those um weak side actions are, are really important, not just standing and over there, find me, find me, but move into space. You know, I think bailouts are are huge. Whenever I drive, um, you know, that should be I should have four bailouts. I should have the big that's possibly relocating around the rim. Two guys over there on the weak side, whether it's in the corner or, or, or the, the slot, and someone's pulling behind me just in case I get cut off. I can reverse pivot, and someone's pulling behind. So I think those are, uh, you know, key things to to think about as a ball handler. Obviously, I want to go finish. If I can get a lane to go finish, but I, you know, I, I don't, you know, launching. You know, that that's a, um, you know, guys that can go up and play two or three feet above the rim. Those are guys that you should allow to launch. The guys that, that they can't do that, especially in the SEC, you know, and, and, and at the next level, you need to come to a gather, you know, and, and gather off of two and, and power up. And now you can, you know, get guys off the feet and, and, and make plays on the perimeter right there. So those, those are just things that, that we try to try to focus on and, and teach our guys. And when you've got two people on you, you've done your job, right? I mean, we, we shouldn't have to take, tough contested shots like if two people's on you somebody's open and now that's what we teach to try to find um you know where the, my guy's on me somebody somebody else is, is is coming to me who who is he guarding i got to try to find that man once we find that guy then um what i love to call it I like pulling triggers that's all you you want to pull a trigger once you pull a trigger then um you've done your job now now, now let someone else make the next play Fun stuff. And uh, you mentioned corner threes. So I'm curious then, what are some other things that do do not transfer as well from the NBA to college? Like you talked about corner threes, you know, they don't shoot them as well in college. Um, I don't know. I mean, I just don't think, you know, probably like full court pressing, you know, stuff like that. You don't see a lot of that at the next level. Guys are just kind of too good. You know, I mean, you're banking on, um, there's been somebody on the floor that maybe take a quick shot that that shouldn't, you know, in college that that's, that's probably not uh, as as proficient at making those shots. But you know, when you get to the pro level, you you just want to try to be solid. I, I have seen zones work a little bit more um, at, at at the highest level, um, but you know, I, I don't think it's. I mean, still basketball. I think you know, ball screening, you know, pulling those triggers there, being patient on the screen and rolls. I think that's the uh, you know, one of the most underrated things that you just waiting on screens, guards waiting on the bigs to come and actually set the screen. So, again, we can pull a trigger and it's twofold. You know, bigs got to get there and actually, you know, you know, get at the right angle to be able to pull those trigger triggers, rolling hard, trying to create single sides, you know, uh, where now you're putting this guy in a bind. If he doesn't tag the roller, then we're going to get the roll every time. Now, if he goes down to tag the roller, now we're throwing back for a single side and, and making sure that you're putting guys in, in the right spots. You want to have make sure when you if you do get a single side action, that is your best shooter over there. You don't, you don't, you know, you don't want your, your shooter standing in that opposite corner if, if, if you're able to, um, to get those actions. So those are the things that, again, that we drill playing in the pocket teams like us who want to be aggressive up in the pick and roll. Now you got to play in that pocket and now the big has to make a play. It's not always going to be you rolling to the basket 
um, and, and, and Duncan, now they're going to, you know, teams are going to adjust. They're going to rotate to you. And now you got to be able to make those reads to the weak side. And we, we spend a lot of time on making sure our guys, you know, have an understanding of that. That's great. I love the terminology you're sharing with us throughout as well. And uh, you talked about using ball screens. So that's something that I've noticed over the last, whatever you want to say, five plus years, that college players are so much better using ball screens now. Like the emphasis on getting to shoulders, change of pace, hostage dribbles, different things like that. That has come down from the NBA or wherever it is. And uh, it, it really improved the college game, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think the probably the one thing that I'm seeing more now, some people call, I call it a zip screen. Some people call it a ghost screen. Again, where you're coming in and those guys are acting like they're screening and they're just slipping out and then it's a little confusion there. And then there's an, an opportunity to to drive the lane. Um, and, and I think those are, you cover those a couple of different ways. If you got guys that's coming up away from the basket, then you got weak side protection to where you could stunt and, you know, and, and stay, stay in front of the ball a little bit longer. But those ones that, that go to the corner where you don't really have any help. It's almost like you, the guy that's, you know, guarding the ghost screen. I mean, it's like, he's almost want to tell that guy on the ball to stay more square because I'm going to go with them. And, and, um, you know, so, so we don't pull any triggers that way, but it's, uh, you know, but, but ball screens, mid pick and rolls, side pick and rolls, dribble handoffs, you know, that's where the game is going. You know, five men, you know, they're in high school that are, are learning the game, you know, handle the basketball. You know, don't don't let you know the game is going away from just traditional. Um, you know, throw throw the ball into you. You're just going to be a big. There's, you're going to have to guard on the perimeter, um, some, and you're going to have to um, be able to handle. You know, a couple of dribbles to get that ball, and and it's tough to guard. Uphill DHOs is one of the toughest things I think to to guard. You get a guy in the post, and now he takes the ball up uphill to a guard. That, that big just doesn't know what to do. All of a sudden, I'm guarding in the post, and now I got to, you know, almost did defend the pick and roll. It's a great opportunity to get downhill for your guards. I'm curious. I've heard that called a grenade by most of the NBA people I've been around. Is that what you call it, an uphill DHO? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's great stuff, and you're going to see a lot more of that, I'm sure, coming into the college game as well. And this is a curiosity, not a criticism. So when we talked about Baylor-Gonzaga a little bit, we, t- we saw the difficulty in covering a single-side tag from Gonzaga because they were shocking or hedging being aggressive on the ball screen. I have noticed that in college game yet it were most teams still aren't doing drop or ice coverages for the most part. Is that mm-hmm. fair? I'm curious why that's the case. Um, well, again, cause it, it requires some teaching, you know, I think it requires, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks just like to do what they know and what they, and what they're uh, accustomed to doing is try to get, guys to just fit into that you know they recruit to fit guys to fit what they do as opposed to teaching them the game of basketball and i think that's what um uh, that's why you still you know guys struggle when they get to the pro level because they even though they they were good in the system that they were were in but they it didn't they didn't learn how to play basketball and, and get exposed to to different coverages and i think that those are um, those single sides could, could, you know, you could avoid those again by, you know, icing it or blueing it or weakening those, those coverages up there, kind of putting two guys on the ball, but it requires that weak side to be in tune, you know? And then, like I said, with guys, if I'm looking at my man, there's no way I'm going to recognize a, a ball screen coverage, you know? So I think those are why teams that just try to hedge and, and show. And if you, you do that, you, you, you're susceptible of, of um, that, that weak side guy having to take that roller. 
And now you offer offer an opportunity for them to spray that weak side and get a good look, uh, as opposed to the opposite. If we you you could get in the coverage, make that roller go away from it. You know now he's not even coming to the single side side. So now he's rolling to that double side where you got those guys at the nail, you got those guys at the block. You know, so I think those are the kind of the principles that that you want to get to. You know, a lot of people used to call like a weak side eye, right? And but now. You know, with the defensive three set at the pro level, you can't really be in an eye, you know, you know, just standing in, in the paint. You can do it in college, obviously, but now you got to be outside of things. So we like to say kind of the nail in the block when, uh, when those coverages are happening. Yeah, I'm, br- I'm glad you brought that up. I mean, the weak side eye, you know, really requires an X out. And at the NBA level, it's hard because both those players are shooters. But usually at the college level, you could choose between the two. Who's the best shooter in terms of recovery? So I'm curious, is that what you teach on the weak side? Do you teach X outs or do you teach recovery to your own? Yeah, we teach X outs. I mean, like I said, sometimes, like I said, if you're in that zone and maybe there's a, a shooter, a pick and roll where you got a shooter and now he's popping and you want to buy time for that guy to get back. Now we get a, now, now you're stunting that they got to pop for a shooter. Now your guy back cuts you, right? Now that guy that's at the block, he takes him, right? You don't have to worry about trying to get back. He takes him and then he calls the X out. And whoever's shaping up, then the guy that stunned it to the shooter, now he gets back over to the weak side. So, yeah, those, those are the, the rotations that, that we teach as well. Um, you know, normally if you if a guy rolls, and we like the you know, term of kind of like tagging out of the turn. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like I just want to deter him. I want him to feel me a little bit. I don't really want to fully take the roller, but I just want to – as soon as I see this pick and roll happening – if I'm the, the nail guy, I just want to go and tag it early. Now I can get back to the weak side. Now he, he's thought about me on that roll. He's like, oh, you know, something was there. But now I'm gone. I'm getting back to my weak side coverage. And if the guy continues to roll, now that low guy, he's had, he has to pull it. And then we can get and get an X again. You know, as, as we, you know, the, the guy that tagged out of the turn, he goes back and now he has to play two for a minute because the low guy had to pull it on the roller, buying some time for the big to get back. And then we could, again, the more, we want them to make as many passes as we can. I mean, I think, you know, we have a, a team that, that scrambles pretty well. So if we can get teams making, um, you know, more passes as opposed to, you know, one quick pass. And, you know, I like to call zing passes. You know, you allow zing pass um, and, and guy get a shot right there. Then you, you don't give a chance for your, your, your defense to, um, to have, an, have an impact. The more passes that, that you can force teams to make, uh, the more impact that you uh, you can have on the defensive side of the ball. I, I, I love, brilliant that you brought up this early tag concept because it's the same concept. Like if you think about being in help for covering a lob on the weak side, you don't need to be there the whole time. You just need to take away the initial look because the passer mm-hmm. is going to look first and they may not look again, right? And that's what we're trying to take, a, take advantage of is offensive or human tendency to only look once. Yeah, I mean, I think in just to having some savvy there, like the guy on the weak side, what is that roller looking? He's looking at the passer the whole time. We could step in and, and get a weak side charge. It doesn't matter if, you know, they spray the weak side or not. That big is running you over and the ball is going the other way. So I think those those are things that we got the toughness and, and have an understanding of, of, of what's going on. We can, you know, you can make plays. Um, and, and then it seems like it's a high risk, higher if they don't call the charge now. And they swing it to that single side guy, you're in a bind. But again, I'm, you know, th- those guys aren't, aren't. And then the thing about it, you give that one up. Now that big is looking for you the rest of the game, right? Uh, he's, he's had his eye on that roller. He rolls and he gets a dunk. 
now all of a sudden he's going to be looking at that role. Now you the first time you step in and you take a charge on him. Now, again, now he's going to be cognizant of that. So I think just, just being able to give up your body sometimes can, can have a huge impact on, uh, on your defense, uh, uh, defensive efficiency. Well, I, I, watching the NCAA tournament just and texting with so many college coaches, I think you're all in agreement that that block charge call is, is just really frustrating at the college level. And it tends to be a charge above anything else. And that's yeah. got to be frustrating or positive, depending on how you play defense, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, you, you hate it if you're on the offense and you love it if you're on defense. It's not secure. That's, I mean, that, that, that's culture. But yeah, but I think, again, I, I just think that's, um, it was a, it, it was a block. You know what I mean? That it, it was a block. I mean, he was on the side. You know, I know it, it was his fourth foul and whatnot. And, and we were all happy that we got five more minutes of basketball. But in my mind, that was a block. He wasn't there. Um, and but you do see it more times than not that, that they give the benefit of the doubt to you know the guys that, that, that step in. I, I thought there were, I mean, the whole tournament was a lot of um, charges that were called that were, were, were actually blocked. So, um, or, or play ons, right? And yeah, that's, yeah. that's really what never happens at the college level. It is either a block or a charge, and there's no play on. No doubt, no doubt. And I think yeah. that's the, you know, sometimes, you know, guys are, um, you know, they maybe arrived there at the same time a little bit. Again, it's one of those ones where you don't want to bail them out and put them on the line for a game, but it's not necessarily a charge, too. I would have loved to see what that play would have looked like, again, with, you know, just, just a play on, you know. But, uh, and again, we're still going to overtime, but I, I particularly think that that was a, uh, you know, that was a block. Well, uh, you're on record now, Coach, so obviously – Obviously, it's uh, it's going to get analyzed to death even more now. Um, beyond analytics, uh, as as we go back a little bit, just to we talked about drop coverage or ice coverage. The one thing that I wanted to highlight that you were talking about too is that you know you saw it in that that NCAA final is that they're either giving up a layup or a three, and when you go to drop or you go to ice coverages, it gives you an opportunity if you play it well to only give up a two. And I thought that was one of the possibilities that coaches should look at a little bit more and see how the pro teams do it in that sense. Yeah, I mean, again, that's what I, I don't complain. Like I said, we want them taking nine paint twos. You know, again, if they make it, you know, we shake their hand. We still want to contest them, you know, but at the same time, you know, we took them off the three-point line. We protected protected the paint. Uh, and, you know, obviously there's still some outliers. You know, I just, I just think the analytics show us that you get more bang for your buck you know, from the three, um, I, I, I rather sidestep, you know, if a guy's going to run you off, you know, sidestep, you know, take advantage of that line. Or if I do put it on the floor, let's really put pressure on that rim, you know, pull some triggers to have, you know, get them in rotations and try to spread again, drive it, kick it, swing, looking for another opportunity for a three. And then you get, you know, your three, four and five crashing the board. I think uh, offensive rebounding percentage is, uh, is a huge number, um, you know, when it comes to winning. And I think, you know, Baylor was, you know, they, they, they were proof of that again. They were, they were proof of um, the shots that they, they missed, that they crashed, and they, they got a, a, a good opportunity with them. I think it was, a, you know, 30 to 35%. If you can get 30 to 35% of, of, of the shots that you missed, again, you're going to win a lot of games, and you're going to put yourself in, in, in a chance to, to really win big. Um, but I, I try to keep it simple. Like, we, we look at a lot of different numbers as far as analytics, but I try to keep it simple with our guys. I don't try to bombard them with a, a whole lot of numbers because I think you can have, um, you know, just some, you know, paralyzation 
from, from information sometimes, you know, if you give them too much, I just want them to think about those simple things. Let's get to the free throw line. Let's take advantage of, you know, taking good three point shots. Uh, let's get in the paint. Let's get layups. Let's get dunks um, and, and try to create more um, possessions for ourselves and the other team by being really good defensively. You know, we want more shots on goals than the other team. And if just y'all just focus on that thing, we'll, we'll deal with PPP and all those different things that, that, that come into it. Offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. Let us worry about those as coaches. You just worry about on those, these little, um, you know, four or five things that, uh, that, that help us win. Well, for, for those coaches, and I think it's most of our audience that geek out on coaching basketball. I mean, you've already shared so much in terms of the terms and everything. I want to just wrap up with one last question, which I love that I've seen you or I've heard you comment on this before. And that, that this group, this, this group that we coach, whatever level we coach at, is the smartest generation ever. That mm. on and off the court, they just are smarter. And I think we tend to generalize generations too much, but... I couldn't agree more. Can you just expand on what you mean by that? Yeah, I just think these guys, they've, they've been exposed to so much, um, so much more, uh, you know, with social media than we did. I mean, everything is right at their fingertips. Uh, you got computer information, you can look up so much and then and just a uh, fresh you know, perspective. Just, uh, you know, this, this new generation, these kids are, I mean, they're in tune. Obviously, they still need to be taught. I mean, they're, they're still kids and they're still, um, you know, make mistakes and we got to, you know, give them a blueprint of, of how to be successful and how to be tactful and how they approach things, but they're extremely smart. And I think that once they, they get some, you know, information, they have ways to, to really um, expand on it, you know, and, and do some things. So, I mean, you know, being here at Vanderbilt, man, I'm fortunate to, 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 to be around some, some really, really smart kids. It doesn't mean that they're going to do what they're supposed to do because it doesn't necessarily, you know, matter sometimes. I mean, there's some guys that I've, I've had that, you know, weren't the smartest academia-wise, but they really picked up things and had natural feel defensively. And you got some guys that might get, you know, 1,500 on the uh, on the SAT that just can't pick up, you know, drop coverage for whatever reason. So I, I, um, I've learned that. I mean, I, I was so happy when I got here. I was like, man, I'm – for all of the guys that I had that couldn't get some things, I'm about to get some guys that, that that's going to get everything because they they got 28 on the ACT. I was wrong, you know. what I'm saying <laughs> you still you still got to teach, you still got to hit all those different uh, components. Again, some guys you can tell them they they pick it up. Some guys I, I go back to that all the time. Some guys visually, you know, Aaron Neesmith, you know, he 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 had to come and sit in my office. He had to go on the board and draw some things himself. Once he you know, draw it on the board and we talked about it, he got it, you know, and he was, you know, and this, is, this is a lottery pick, you know, this guy went 14th in the draft, but it took a different way of him seeing things for him to, to get that. So I don't, I don't, I don't take that lightly. I don't take it for granted. Make sure that we hit all three different angles of learning so that we give our, all of our guys a chance to, to be successful and have a, a great understanding of, of how we approach and, and how we do things. Coach, we can tell from listening to you, you can really teach and you know the game from both sides of the ball and uh, just tremendous to be able to get your perspectives. Thanks for sharing the game with us. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. I really, really enjoyed talking the game and, uh, and really enjoyed your platform. I uh, think that you do a great job, man. Good luck to you as well. Thank you, Coach. Thanks for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and to give the Basketball Podcast and this week's guest a shout out on social media to show your support for us sharing the game. And to stay up to date on all things basketball immersion, subscribe to our newsletter at basketballimmersion.com newsletter.